0: How many of you really know God is able? Mm. God is good. And all the time, God is good. It is a pleasure and an honor to be back with you here at this church. Some of you are disappointed you'd rather have Leah than me, but it's all right. (laughs) Oh, Lord. Um... I praise God to be in the building one more time on this historic occasion. I'm not going to get into calling names because I'll get myself into trouble. All of you have been a blessing to me. Leah and I thank you from the bottom of our hearts for all that you have done for us, including your prayers, your texts, your calls, everything that you have done. Our wedding was amazing. Leah had a great time. That's all I cared about. You know, the wedding's not really for the guy, but she enjoyed it, and that's all that matters. Amen? And I have to give credit to my lovely, beautiful, awesome wife who is watching right now with her family members. She really wanted to be here, but she had a previous engagement, and I just want to say, honey, I love you with all my heart. And, you know, the word says that uh, he that findeth a wife findeth a good thing (laughs) and favor. (laughs) I praise God for her. She really misses all of you and just want to share her love with all of you today. I don't want to get too deep into pleasantries. Y'all know, if you know me, that's really not my thing. Just want to get to the point. Um, I'm ready to preach God's word. Are you ready to hear it? Would you stand to your feet with me, if you would, and take your Bible in hand and turn with me to the book of Exodus. We have a custom in our church that we stand for God's word, not for me, not for the preacher, not for the Adventist church, but for God and his word. Amen. Amen. We're in the book of Exodus, the second book in the Bible. If you can't find that, you're in trouble. Exodus chapter 14. and We're going to begin at verse 10. Exodus chapter 14 from the NIV version, and I want to read in your hearing verses 10 through 15. The word says to us, As Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up, and there were the Egyptians marching after them. They were terrified and cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, Was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us to the desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone? Let us serve the Egyptians. It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. Moses answered the people, do not be afraid. Stand firm, and you will see the deliverance of the Lord that he will bring to you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. Then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to press on. I want to speak to you from the subject today, I've got your back, I've got your back. Pray with me, Father, in the name of Jesus, there is nothing I can say tonight to change hearts and minds. What is needed more than eloquence, more than clever stories, more than a well-put-together sermon is your presence in this room. As we differ in faces, we differ in needs. And as we run the race of life, we all have have our hurdles to jump over. We all have our pitfalls to walk around. God, we need you tonight to speak a word in due season to help us run this race. We are here tonight not to hear Pastor John coax not just to enjoy the song, not to be a part of the prayer, not to slap hands with one another, but to hear what you have to say to us tonight. Father, we pray that it would not fall on deaf ears, but that it would find a lodging place in our hearts and we would apply it. In Jesus' name, we do pray Let everyone say amen and amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. I've got your back. I've got your back. We all know the story of the Israelites. They were enslaved in Egypt for a period of over 400 years they were literally beasts of burden. In the hot Egyptian sun, in the desert, in the wilderness, they were literally slaves that were oppressed by their Egyptian taskmasters. We all know the story. And we know that the Israelites had a prophecy that one day their God would send a deliverer to set them free. How many of you know that story? Now, what you must understand is this, that The Israelites, even though they knew the prophecy, they really didn't even have a name for the God that gave them the prophecy. At that point, they didn't even know his name. Even when they said Yahweh, it really is just an inflection of inhaling and exhaling Yahweh. It was just a name that they gave him because they believed that God was the breath of life, but they didn't know his name. That's why they said he is the God of Abraham of Isaac, and of Jacob, but they held on to this belief for 400 years that God would send a deliverer to set his people free, and one day he did, that person being Moses. Of course, Moses went to Pharaoh and said, Pharaoh, let my people go. Pharaoh did not want to listen. I will not let your people go. I am God. There is no God beside me. And Moses began to tell him, listen, Pharaoh, please don't do this. If you try to hold on to God's people, you will be punished. God fights for his people. And the Word tells us in the Bible that God brings them out with a mighty hand or with a high hand, meaning that God does miracles to bring his people out of the oppression that they are in. Just follow me tonight. Don't worry. We're going somewhere. The Word says first he sends a plague of blood. When that doesn't work, he sends a plague of frogs, then a plague of gnats, of of, of lice, and locusts, and then darkness. And finally he kills off all the firstborn in the land. It is at that point that I recall the scene in the movie The Ten Commandments by Cecil B. DeMille, one of my favorite Sabbath movies before the Prince of Egypt, of course. And I remember in that movie, after all the plagues were meted out from God's throne, that, that Yule Brenner, the actor playing Pharaoh at that point, is sitting on the throne. His dead son is over to the side. His wife is sitting next to him on the throne. And she turns to him and says, Pharaoh, how could you have allowed this to happen? Aren't you supposed to be God? Aren't you supposed to have more power than this desert Hebrew God that does not have a name? And the movie portrays it this way, that Yule Brenner, playing the pharaoh, looks off into the distance as if he is in an epiphany or a theophany, and here's what he says. His God is God. You're going to get that later. His God is. Is God. In other words, there's nothing I could do about the situation. And so finally God lets his people out. And I love how, how the movie portrays it. Man, when they are going out, they aren't going out silently and stoically. Y'all don't hear me today. They're not marching out with Bible in hand looking stiff as a statue. As they are going out of Egypt, they are slapping hands. They are dancing. They are praising. They are worshiping. They are giving God glory. Why? Because God brought them out with a mighty hand. God just didn't bring them out. He brought them out with a mighty hand. And some of you know what I'm talking about. God brought you out with a very mighty hand. He stopped the bullet. He moved the car out of the way. He pulled the cancer out of your body. God did something mighty in your life that nobody else can get credit for. And it doesn't make sense to just sit still when God blesses you in the way that he's blessing you. This is what bothers me in the house of God today. Because the man of God will be preaching a powerful message. He'll be stepping all over your toes, telling everything that you need to hear, giving you the word in due season, exactly what you need. And you will sit there. You won't clap your hands. You will not stand on your feet. You will not give God glory. Then you get mad at other people who dance in the house of God. But what you don't know is God brought them out with a mighty hand, with a high hand, and nobody else deserves the glory but God Himself. Now calm down, we're just getting started. Word says God brings them out with a mighty hand. Now they are happy. Now they are jubilant. Now they are on their way. The people of God are resolute in their task. They know that God has promised them a land that is flowing with milk and honey. They are going somewhere. They're happy to a destination that God has planned before the beginning of time. God has a place, a location where he wants to take them, and they are happy to get there, slapping hands, praising, enjoying themselves. That is until behind them they hear the army of the Egyptians Marching on their coattail. They are happy until they hear the sound of shield banging against spear. They are happy until they hear the sound of the iron chariots rolling across the desert ground, coming to them to destroy them. They are okay until they know that the Egyptians are right on their coattail. Now, now follow the pastor today, and please don't get it mixed up. It's in the word right here. Take a look at it in verse 10. As... Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up, and there were the Egyptians marching after them. They were terrified. The word does not say they were scared. Does not say they were disappointed. It does not say they were a little discouraged. The word says that they were terrified. It's another word for the word petrified, meaning that they are so afraid that the terror paralyzed them as they were moving. When they heard and saw an entire army of Egyptian soldiers coming toward them and being aware of what Egyptian armies do and how they wipe out other nations, they were terrified. It's the same word that we would use today if somebody walked into here, a strange gunman, and began to spray bullets all over the room. We would call that an act of terrorism, a terrorist attack, because everybody would be terrified. They are terrified, brothers and sisters. This is not just you uh, looking at a spider that is in the corner up there and you're somewhat afraid. No, 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 no. They are afraid for their very lives. As Pharaoh approached, the word says they terrified and they cried out to the Lord and then they began to say to Moses, Moses, was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us out here to die? In other words, Moses, why did you bring us out here? We were better off in Egypt. A bunch of Uncle Toms ready to go back to the slave master. Because times got rough, because a little something happened, in that moment they forgot everything that God had done. They forgot that it was God who brought them out of Egypt with a mighty hand. It was God that struck the Egyptians with boils. It was God that killed off all the firstborn. It was God that did everything for them. And in one moment of terror, they are so afraid. They forget all that God has done and believe that they can no longer progress because of the Egyptians. Mr. White says, man, that we have nothing to fear for the future except we forget what God has done in the past. And many of you right now, I I got to tell you this today, and I pray that you won't get mad at me. Your faith is not proven strong when things are going well. You are not a real Christian just because you've got the house and the car and the money and you got the right job and everything is going okay. We don't want to hear that. We want to know what type of person you are when you don't have any money, when you cannot pay your bills, when you can't even put gas in your car, when your body is racked with disease and doctors say they can't do anything with you. What is your? What does your faith mean to you then? God just brought them out. With a mighty hand. And if God wanted to, he could have destroyed the Egyptians in a moment. But instead of them having faith and believing that God can do what he said he can do, they are terrified. Some of you the same way. One thing I hate in my ministry is this. I'm preaching the word of God. Myron, you know about this. Preach the word at a revival. Preach it at an evangelistic crusade. People come down the aisle, snot dripping down their nose, crying. Oh, God, save me. Lord, help me. Help me in my life. God brings. We bring them in here. We baptize them. They get a little help for a moment. Let them go through one issue. You won't see them anymore. Y'all don't hear me today. Let them can't pay their cable bill. They won't show up at church. You let somebody lose their job. It's God that gave you the job in the first place. You ought to trust them to give you another job. You don't see them anymore. People start giving God what is his. Don't show up for church. Don't keep the Sabbath day holy. All for one little incident that comes into your life compared against all that God has done for you? You don't make sense. And you get terrified over the littlest things in life. You ought to have some fortitude. You ought to have some tenacity. You ought to have some sticking and staying power with God. That no matter what happens in your life, for God I'll live. For God I'll die. I'm not turning around. This is the way that I want to go. This is what I'm going to... I read this story and it somewhat doesn't make sense, but then again it does because we can't blame the Israelites because we do the same thing every day. Y'all don't hear me today. Just didn't feel like coming to church today. We don't care about what you feel like. Oh, y'all don't hear me. (laughs) Yeah, John Coxman grew up since he left. Let's be real tonight. We don't care about how you feel. God says you ought not forsake the assembling of yourselves together. We don't, we're not concerned whether you can pay your light bill or your cable bill or your mortgage. God says, give me 10% of everything that you make, and I promise you I'll provide for the rest of your needs. He didn't ask you to decide whether it makes sense or not. God says, do what I have told you to do. But we get terrified over the littlest issues, turn around, and want to go back to Egypt where God just brought us out of. They were terrified and cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you have brought us here to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone, let us serve the Egyptians? It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. Notice the text. Instead of them assigning blame to themselves, they automatically assign blame to Moses, the leader. I pray I don't get too close to home tonight. Y'all don't hear me today. People love to blame the pastor. Oh, Lord, help me today. People love to blame the spiritual leader. You brought us out here. It must be your fault. Well, didn't you have an opportunity to vote just like everybody else? Didn't you have an opportunity to speak your mind just like everybody else? Why we got to blame the pastor for everything? Y'all don't hear me today. Immediately they assign blame to Moses. Moses, this is your fault. We ought to stone you. We ought to kill you. We ought to call the conference on you. We ought to get your body up out of here right now. Y'all don't hear me today. In fact, in our churches today, we bring pastors into churches. Pastor Cass' vision tries to lead us in the direction that God wants us to go. We're with him for a moment, but at the moment that the money dries up. Y'all don't hear me today. But, 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 But at the moment, we lose personnel. At the moment that we don't have the resources. Then we want to take him, put him in a body bag, and ship him back to the conference where he came from. We get terrified. And I'm getting sick and tired of taking all the blame for stuff that God has told me to do and the people of God should follow. Maybe this is too much for you. I don't know. I'll just keep going and stay out of your way today. They are terrified, they are afraid. You know what, today I, I was on the plane, and y'all know very well, I'm not too, I'm not a fan of planes. Y'all know that. I preach that a lot in many of my sermons. You know, you know. But here's the thing. You know, I don't know why, but it seems like that on the plane is when I have my best moments with God. I don't know why. I can't tell you why. But I know this. Um, I was sitting on the plane just today, coming here to Cleveland, and I thought about it. And God revealed to me, you know what, it's, it's not the plane that I'm afraid of. It's not so much the heights that I'm afraid of, because actually the world looks very majestic from up high. It's really not that. Really, my fear is the fear of falling, and the fear of falling really uh, causes me trepidation and causes me to be terrified from time to time. Really, the root issue is because it's a loss of control. Y'all don't hear me today. And here's what I'm trying to tell you. Every single fear in this life, no matter how great or how small, boils down to one fear. And that fear is a loss of control that you no longer can control or manipulate the situation. What are you talking about, Pastor Coaxum? Check this out. If a bear walked into this room, how many of you would be afraid? Come on, tell the truth and shame the devil. It's all right. Some of you be jumping out the window, tripping other people up so they can get eat before you. You would be afraid. But, but what if you had the power with your mind to control that bear? What if you could tell that bear what to do and what not to do? What if with your mind you could control and manipulate the entire situation? Meaning you could remove the bear from existence if you wanted to. Wouldn't that remove your fear as well? Every single fear in this life always boils down to a lack of control. You can't control the situation, therefore you are afraid. Please don't miss this tonight. The the, the Israelites come to a place in the desert where they hear the Egyptians coming behind them. But that's not all. In front of them is the Red Sea. And they can't just swim across because they've got elderly women and children and the Red Sea stretches for miles. Not only that, but it's extremely deep. Not only that, but to their right are craggly rocks and mountains. To their left are, 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 is the desert and the wilderness and behind them are the Egyptians. They are literally trapped and sandwiched in a bad situation that they cannot control, that they cannot get out of. And at this moment, they are terrified. Now, I, I, I got to say this tonight. They didn't know it, and maybe you don't know it, but God planned it this way. Back up to verse 1. Please don't take my word for it tonight. Verse chapter 14 and verse 1. The word says, then the Lord said to Moses, tell the Israelites to turn back and camp near Pir-Hahiroth between Migdal and the sea. They are to encamp by the sea directly opposite Baal Zephon. Pharaoh will think the Israelites are wandering around the land in confusion, hemmed in by the desert, and I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and he will pursue them. But I will gain glory for myself through Pharaoh and all his army, and the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. So the Israelites did this. This was all a part of God's plan from the beginning to get glory out of the situation. So let me help you tonight because you may have missed your shouting cue. Here it is. In our lives, in our lives right now, God traps us from time to time. I did not say the devil I said God traps us from time to time. He locks us in in situations where we cannot get out, where there is no escape, where we cannot help ourselves, where money is not enough. Resources cannot help us so that when he finally brings us out, God can get the glory. And you're complaining right now that things aren't working the way that you want. Even though God already told you what he's going to do for you. Trust him. God trapped you so that you would look up to him for all your help. (laughs) Some of you, it's the only way that God can get a word to you edgewise in your life. He's got to trap you. He's got to bring you to a point where money can't help you anymore. That's why many of you are going to be poor for years and years and years because it's the only way to get you saved because you won't listen. You won't reach out to God. You put your trust in your money so much you don't care about God. You would rather have money and no God. I'd rather have God and no money. Some of you trust in all matter of things, but it's going to take at some point in your life for God to trap you and wall you in on every side in your life so you can't get out and you're going to have to trust him for everything. In fact, the word even says, if you back up even further to Exodus 13, the word tells us, man, that, that God could have, check this out, God could have taken them a shorter way. God could have taken them to the promised land much quicker and much easier. But if he did it that way, he would not have gotten the glory. Help me, Lord, today. He had to trap them and bring them into a difficult situation so there would be no qualms about it. There would be no question about it. You know what? It was God who brought us out. It was God who did this for us. Oh, man, oh, man, oh, man. Some of you are wondering why you're not blessed tonight, why you can't move forward, why things are not going the way that you want them to go. God can't trust you with a blessing. God can't get glory out of you. If God were to drop a million dollars in your pocket right now, we'd never see you again. And sure enough, the church wouldn't see none of that money. Y'all don't hear me tonight, man. Lord, help me today. If God were to give you the man that you're praying for, the man would be your God. Homeboy says, we ain't going to church. Okay, we ain't going to church today. If God were to give you what you're really seeking for right now, God would not get the glory. So God has to punish you a little bit. Come on, say amen. God has to discipline you and trap you on all sides. He's got to make you lose your job. He's got to make you lose friends, lose money, lose opportunities, lose resources so that you look to him for all of your help. This way could have gotten them there shorter, could have gotten them there quicker, but God trapped them on all sides. Now, I want you to follow the pastor for a moment because I'm about to take you somewhere that's going to hinge this entire sermon. Here it is. Verse 16. Take a look at it. No, 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 no. Back up. Verse 13. Moses answered the people, do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance of the Lord that he will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You only need to be still. Then the Lord said to Moses, why are you still crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to move on. Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell my people to obey the call. Moses... Why are you still praying to me? Tell my people to press on. Moses, why are you wasting time calling out to me? I've already told you where you're supposed to go. I've given you the direction and the command and the directive. Do what I have told you to do. Now, this may come as a shock to you, and some of you may not agree with the pastor tonight. And you may say, I have no business being a pastor after I say it, but I'm going to say it anyway. Some of you waste a whole lot of time in prayer. Some of you pray too much. There is a time for prayer, but there's also a time for action. And God told Moses, Moses, why have my people stopped? Why are you crying out to me? Tell them to keep on marching forward to where I told them they are supposed to go. There's no need for prayer now. We don't need an all-night prayer meeting on what God has already said. We don't need to pray about keeping the Sabbath holy. We don't need to pray about the word that God has given the man of God for the people of God. If he's given it to us, it's good enough for us. If God said it, I believe it, that settles it, let's move forward. God is frustrated with his people. Y'all don't hear me today. We've already received the word. Why, we got to have 10 more prayer meetings before we move. Maybe that's too vague for you. Individually, in our personal lives, God already told you what you need to do. Don't act like he hasn't. He's already told you to dump the boy who doesn't want anything to do with God. Come on, say amen. God's already told you to leave your job. God's already told you to leave your church. God's already told you to do this, that, and the third. But you're saying, I'm still praying about it, pastor. There's no need to pray. If you got a word from God, move forward on what God said. We waste so much time, and we miss out on the blessings that God gives us in His Word. Are Y'all hearing me today, man? I'm talking to myself. You know, um, I thank God for my wife. Oh, let the church say amen. amen. Bless His name. You know, I prayed long and hard about it, and I want to tell you the truth, brothers and sisters. Myron knows this. God told me way before I popped the question. That she was the one. Trying to be real tonight. God told me way, 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 way before I popped the question. Are y'all hearing me tonight? Way before I bought the ring. Some of y'all mad I said ring. We'll deal with that later. Way before I proposed to my wife, God told me she was the one. But because of fear and trepidation and wanting to stall and wanting to make sure that everything was perfect, I tried to hold out on what God had already told me. And brothers and sisters, I just want you to know everything is not going to be perfect when God tells you where he wants you to go. Oh, man, help me today. Even leaving this church is leaving some of you terrified right now. You are so scared about what could possibly happen. You are so scared about launching out into deep waters. But none of that matters if we got a word from the Lord. There is no reason to be terrified, even if the money does dry up. So what? God told us to move. Man. Lord, help me today. Oh, I ain't done yet. (sighs) Then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to move on. Raise your staff. Stretch out your hand over the sea to divide the water so that the Israelites can go through the sea on dry ground. I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians so that they will go in after them, and I will gain glory through Pharaoh and all his army, through his chariots and through his horsemen. The Egyptians will know this day that I am the Lord, and when I gain glory through Pharaoh, his chariots and his horsemen. Now stop right there for a moment. When the Israelites came out, I told you God led them out with a mighty hand and with a high hand with miracles and with plagues and all matter of things to show them that God was in heaven watching over them and he was going to make sure that their journey would be a success. Not only that, but God sent out another miracle in front of them, which was a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night and an angel of the Lord to march in front of them to lead them wherever they should go. They did not need a map. They did not need a GPS system. God was with them every single step of the way. Check this out. A pillar of cloud that extended from the dust beneath their feet to the heavens above them and a pillar of fire that would lead them by night. On top of that, in addition to an angel of the Lord who many believe was Jesus himself walking in front of them as they traveled. Now, as they are going, remember, they hear the sound of the Egyptians behind them. They look behind them and are afraid. They immediately begin to blame Moses and the leader of the entire congregation, and they want to go back to Egypt. Now, follow me in verse 19. The word says, then the angel of the Lord, who had been traveling in front of Israel's army, withdrew you're going to get this in a minute, and went behind them, The pillar of cloud also moved from in front and stood behind them. What is the word of God trying to tell us? In this moment, God deemed it more important not to lead his people, to have them a visible presence in front of them. Why? Because he already told them where they needed to go. They were most exposed and most in danger behind them. So the angel of the Lord that was marching in front of them moved behind them To to keep their past from catching up with them and to keep them from going back to where he just brought them out of. Oh, Lord. And all I'm trying to say is this, or rather what God is trying to say. God is saying, I got your back. You don't have to worry about anything. The word says the angel moved, withdrew, withdrew broke rank, moved behind them to watch their backs so that they could move forward freely. And some of you right now, you need this word. I know what you're waiting for. You're waiting for another sign in the heavens. You're waiting for the planets to align. You're waiting for all the money to come in. You're waiting for the right people to join your side. That's not what God wants. God said, I've already told you where you need to go. Keep marching forward and I'll watch your back. All right. That ain't good enough for you. That ain't, that ain't good enough. Um, sometimes in our lives, brothers and sisters, when you don't see God in front of you, although you want a visible sign, you want to see it. You want to see the bank statement. Come on, say amen. You want to see tall, dark, and handsome, or maybe short, dark, and handsome. I'll include myself inside of it just just for a moment. Come on, say amen. You, you, You want to see it for yourself. And I want to tell you right now in your life, even though you don't see it, sometimes God deems it more important not to be in front of you, but to be behind you. Why? Because many of you are trying to go back to what he just brought you out of. Oh, you don't hear me today. We're talking about press, obey the call of God. God has brought you out. God has delivered you. God has set you free. And when you experience a little bit of trouble, you're ready to turn tail and run. You mean to tell me God just took the needle out your arm and you're ready to go back to the same people who got you high in the first place? Y'all don't hear me today you telling me God gave you a clean medical report and you're about to go shack up with the same dude all over again? Y'all don't hear me today. You mean to tell me the pregnancy test came back negative, but you're going to keep on doing the do anyway to try your luck? He just brought you out and you're ready to go back. And God says, oh, heck no, I'm not having this. And he moves behind his people to watch their backs. God says, you don't need no more signs. Oh, God, you don't need another sermon. Come on, say Amen. You don't need another pray set. I already told you what you need to do. This year in 2016, move forward. I'll watch your back and I'll keep some people from getting close to you. Oh, God. Our biggest danger is not failure in the future. Our biggest danger is forgetting the word that God gave us And going back to what he just brought us out of, the word tells us that our God, he says, behold, I do a new thing. And some of you are still afraid to leave this building. Don't worry, he didn't tell me to preach this. I'm not a hired gun or a mercenary tonight. This is what God dropped on me tonight. I'm trying to tell you that some of you are ready to go back to the old way of doing things that did not work. Some of you are trying to go back to the same old traditions that really didn't get nobody saved but made a whole bunch of stuck-up Christians. We're trying to do something new. We're trying to go higher. We're trying to do better. We're trying to go further. We're trying to go where God is taking us. And every time the money dries up or people are not with us or somebody says nay, we can't be ready to turn around and go back. (laughs) Oh, Lord, help me today. I said, I could stay in front of you, but I'd rather come behind you and fight back to back. That means to keep that boyfriend from coming back into your life. You know you don't need him. Oh, God, help me today. That means to keep you from going to the same bar that you just came out of. That means to take the needle out of your arm already again. God's not going to let the things that are trying to encroach on you to take you back from where you just came from. Some of you are afraid to move forward. God said, I got your back. Move on. Stop asking questions. Stop praying about it. Faith without works is dead. We need some people with some action. We need some people who are going to bust a move and do what God told them to do. Some of you in the sound of my voice, you shouting right now, you ain't got no idea what I'm talking about because you don't know that I'm talking to you. Let's bring it down to a personal and individual position. Can we do that? Is that all right? I, I just want to tell some of you right now, for some of you, you're so afraid to move forward with God. Lord, help me today. You're waiting for the right sermon, and it's never going to come. You're waiting for the right praise set. It's never going to come. You're waiting for the next revival. I'll give my life to God. You don't need to pray anymore. Don't wait for the right sermon. Move for God. You know what kills me, man? As a pastor, I'm preaching the word of God, and this is not arrogance, brothers and sisters. This is not even confidence. This this is just Holy Ghost fortitude that God has given me right now. Here it is. Man, sometimes when I'm preaching in an evangelistic effort, I can literally, visibly see the spirit of God. Pounding people. Y'all don't hear me tonight. I can see God slapping them across their face. I can see God visibly telling them, this is for you right now. You need to get up out your seat. You need to come down the aisle. You need to stretch forth your hands. You need to get baptized. You need to join the church. You need to come to prayer meeting. You need to get rid of that boy. Get rid of that girl. Delete some contacts in your phone, but you're still waiting for another sign. You're still waiting for a visible portent of God. And God is like, yo, I'm too busy behind you trying to keep your past from catching up to you. I'm too busy behind you trying to keep you from going back. You need to move forward. I don't know who I'm preaching to tonight. (laughs) Then the angel of the Lord, who had been traveling in front of Israel's army, withdrew and went behind them. The pillar of cloud also moved from in front and stood behind them. Now check this out. Coming between the armies of Egypt and Israel throughout the night, the cloud brought darkness to the one side and light to the other, so that neither went near the other all night long. Now, check this out. Oh, God. No, let me keep reading. Hey, Here it is. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and all that night the Lord drove the sea back with a strong east wind and turned it into dry land. The waters were divided, and the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground with a wall of water on the right and on the left. The Egyptians pursued them, and all Pharaoh's horses and chariots and horsemen followed them into the sea. Now, check this out, brothers and sisters. When the angel of the Lord and the pillar of cloud and the pillar of fire moved behind them, the whole reason he did that was to create a wall of separation between what he just brought them out of. Y'all don't hear me. And where they are right now, with the understanding that they would move forward. They were not supposed to stand still. God had already begun to open up the Red Sea. If they stood still, the Egyptians would have caught up with them. Oh Lord, oh Lord, oh Lord, oh God. And in times like these, man, when we stand still and we don't move forward with God, we are in danger of going backwards, brothers and sisters. There is no such thing in a spiritual journey where where, where we just begin to say, you know what, I'm all right, I'm comfortable here. There is at no point where we stop moving forward. And some of you have said that already. I don't need to come to church every week. I know. I'm not supposed to say this, right? Well, pastor, we got family functions. We got things to do. I work on a Sabbath day, which you should not be doing anyway. Let's just be real today. Let's just be real today. I mean, we, we, we give all of these excuses why we can't move forward with God. And God is like, I don't care about your excuses. I've already stopped your past. I'm keeping you from going back. Move forward. And this year, today, so many of you, you made um, New Year's resolutions on January the 1st. By January the 2nd, you already broke them. Hell me today. (laughs) Lord, help me God. This year, if you want to move forward, brothers and sisters, if you want to press forward and obey the call of God, it's very simple. Just do that. Don't wait for the right sermon. Don't put the pressure on Pastor Edmonds. He has no idea what you're going through, but you know what you're going through. You know where God is trying to take you. You know what God is trying to root out of your heart and out of your mind. You know what God is trying to do for you. And more than that, you know what you need to do to get closer to God. Lord, help me today. We wait, we stand still, and we miss out on where God is trying to take us. The Egyptians pursued them and all Pharaoh's horses and chariots and horsemen followed them into the sea. During the last watch of the night, the Lord looked down from the pillar of fire and cloud at the Egyptian army and threw it into confusion. He jammed the wheels of their chariots so that they had difficulty driving. And the Egyptians said, let's get away from the Israelites. Why? Because the Lord is fighting for them against Egypt. Even when it does not seem like it, God is with you. God is with you. God is with this church. And I fully believe that God is with the man of God. Let the church say amen. Y'all don't hear me tonight. I know you didn't want me to talk about it. You didn't want me to get too specific. You didn't want me to get into Glenville's business when I was here before half of y'all got here. And I'm going to tell you right now, God is with this man. Y'all don't hear me today. I'm not saying everything's going to be perfect. I'm not saying we shouldn't practice good stewardship. But if we got a word from God and the money's not there, so what? Is not God's word more important than money? Is not God's word more important than who leaves the church and who stays? I ain't going to get too many amens on this one. some of you don't know it right now, but the difficulty that you're experiencing moving in this life personally, the difficulty that the church may be experiencing moving collectively, you, you, you don't know it, man, but God is using this for his glory. Check this out. Which is a better testimony? We got all the money one Sabbath, we bought a church, we bought everything we needed, and now we in the church. Or... Is it better to say we did not have the money? Nobody was with us. The conference didn't agree. The board did not vote it. But God showered blessings down upon us. We don't know how it happened, but God jammed the wheels of the Egyptians and he closed the sea all over them. And the word says that when, the to- when this whole thing was over, the Israelites went back out and saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. I only came to say one thing. God's got your back. What are you afraid of? Move forward. All right, all right, all right, all right, all right, all right, all right. Is there anybody who tonight just wants to say, I don't want to go back? Amen, Walls. I want to move forward with God. God, oh, Lord, right now, some of you are waiting for so much stuff in your life. God, I know you're, you're waiting. You're waiting. You're waiting for somebody to walk into the church right now with a million-dollar check. Here it is, Pastor Edmonds. I'm gonna let that sink in for a moment. I got all the time in the world. You want all the stars to align. You want everything to be Perfect. That's not the way God works. He's not in front of you right now. He's behind you. He's keeping you, trying to go back to where you just came from. Some of you right now, you plan to go back to where God just brought you out of. You plan to go back to the same old bed. Plan to go back to the same old friends. Are y'all hearing me tonight? I'm talking to myself. You're trying to go back to the same old way you used to do things. God just brought you out, and you're willing to stay where you are rather than go to where the blessings are, where God has already said your destination is assured? I don't know about you, brothers and sisters, but I want to follow God and pressing and obeying god is simply that it's just doing what god told us to do it's not waiting for anything it's not trying to see anything it's not waiting for another sign it's not waiting for wet and dry fleece have we heard yes we have heard let's move forward our biggest danger this year lord help me it's not failing in the future is forgetting what God has already said and going back to where he just brought us out of. Come on, man. You know me. I'll preach all night. Now, uh, I, I really, I, I could have preached three points in a hoop. You know, I, I could have ended on a real high note. But too many times we do that. And people are steady slapping hands and dancing and clapping and have a good time and have no idea what to do with the word when they get home. You're going to come here and say, Pastor Coxum preach the awesome message and make no changes in your life. Not about that anymore. Could care less about kudos and accolades and affirmations. That stuff doesn't turn me on or off or anything like that. Amen. I'm here tonight to hopefully set somebody free. Now, first of all, that's on a church level. The decision has been made. We have heard the voice of God. We're moving on. Come on, say amen. But then somebody tonight needs to make a personal decision for God. Matter of fact, if you heard God's word, I want you to stand tonight. That's all I want you to do. I want you to stand. That's it. It's not for everybody. If you don't want to stand, please don't do it to make me feel better. Here it is. Man, if you just want to say tonight, Pastor Coaxum, I have no interest in going back to what God just brought me out of. I want to move forward. I want you to come down here. Let's see. (laughs) We don't need a praise team for that. You don't need no strong appeal. You don't need no story. The whole theme is press and obey the call of God. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. You're still coming. I want you to think about your life right now. It's personal, it's personal, it's personal. You done got baptized. You're a member of the church. You serve in a department or a ministry. Trying to do what God wants you to do. But inside of you, your faith is actually weak. You haven't been tested yet. And I'm trying to tell you, brothers and sisters, a test is coming your way. A storm is coming your way to see whether or not you really believe in God. Now, God is doing everything he can behind you to keep you from going back and to keep your past from catching up. But if you don't want to put one foot in front of the other and move forward, there's nothing God can do to help you. He's trying to set you free, he's trying to make you better, trying to taste the, take the taste of alcohol out of your mouth, trying to get you to stop sleeping around, trying to get you to do what's right. Come on, say man. it's all right. The, problem, the, the reason these problems continue is because we don't talk about them, everybody's afraid. We got people sleeping around and doing all kind of crazy stuff, God just brought you out, brought you into the church and you're ready to go right back. Are you crazy? Are you out of your mind? You heard the word. You made a decision. Keep putting one foot in front of the other. Move forward with God. I want to pray for you tonight. Father, in the name of Jesus, I'm not going back. I'm moving ahead. Here to declare to you today, my past is over. You have brought us out. You have brought us a mighty long way. Somebody under the sound of my voice right now, you have brought them out with a mighty hand. (laughs) Couldn't be more clear if we slapped them in the face with it. They know it. It was you. But they are content to stand still. They are content not to move forward. Praying, oh Lord, that you give us the unction to do what you've called us to do. Some of us under the sound of my voice right now, we're supposed to be deacons and deaconess. <laughs> Y'all don't hear me tonight. We God, God, we, we, we we're supposed to be we're supposed to be in service in some ministry. Some of us are supposed to be elders, but we won't move. We're supposed to be in the house of God, praising your name from week to week, but we find every excuse not to be here. Somebody under the sound of my voice needs to be baptized. But they're afraid. They're waiting on the right message. They're waiting on the right story, the right anecdote, the right metaphor, the right analogy. God, tell them just to move forward. And, oh, Lord, this week, the last week that Glenville will be in this building. Yes, Lord, we would be lying if we said that there is not a little bit of fear within us. But the truth is, God, if there's no risk, there's no reward. We walk by faith and not by sight. The just shall live by faith. And Now we are desirous to put action with our faith. And Lord, we pray that you, you will do for us what we cannot do for ourselves. Watch our backs, God. <laughs> Hallelujah. Stay behind us. Stay in the rear. Not trying to go back. We're trying to move forward. We love you, Lord. We thank you tonight. And, oh, God, you know me. Our prayer is always the same. If you never do anything else, God, keep us moving forward so we'll be saved in your kingdom. In Jesus' name we do pray. Let everyone say amen, amen, and amen. Put your hands together for God.